This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 98 of the Rebel Author Podcast. I cannot believe there are just two episodes to go until we break into triple digits. I am so excited. I also really need to organise something to celebrate. Uh, So it's looking like the celebration may be a little bit late, but um, I will get there. So today I am talking to Corey and Wallace from Formatted Books, and we're going to have a discussion about formatting and why you may consider a professional formatter, mistakes to avoid, and all of that good stuff. Now, um, Formatted Books were actually kind enough to format the Keeper's Hardback for me. And wow, like I have only seen the digital proofs at the moment and I am uh, waiting for the hardback proof copies to arrive from Ingram. They were shipped today. So I am going to give an update about this next week when the books will be in my hands. But Oh my goodness me, just from having looked at the ebook, uh, like digital version, I am uh, like astounded. Vellum is fantastic, it really, really is, but there are so many things that Vellum can't do that a professional formatting company who uses InDesign can do. You know, from using a different colour background on um, like the first page in a chapter to incorporating um, different fonts inside your book. So yeah, I am really, really excited to get my hands on the physical copy of the new hardback of Keepers. So I will give you an update, like I said, next week when I have that in my hands and I'm also going to post it on um, social media when I get it so that you guys can see what they did for me. But first to last week's question, which was how do you learn about your genre? Now, I don't know whether it was the question or um, whether it was something else, but nobody answered the question this week. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. But what I did have was a lot of comments about how good last week's episode was. So um, thank you to everybody for saying that. And thank you also to Nat, who uh, did give a very information dense uh, episode last week. I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. If you haven't, Uh, there are huge numbers of tips and tricks for getting to understand your genre better. And there's also a discount that Nat is providing for his Kindle Trends uh, paid newsletter as well, which can help you take the pain out of researching your genre. So make sure you go back and look at that. And I will actually post a reminder um, in the Facebook group as well. This week's question is how do you format your books? Do you use vellum? Do you use a professional company? If so, which one? The book recommendation of the week. This week is my own book, 10 Steps to Hero, How to Craft a Kick-Ass Protagonist. Now, the reason I am uh, sharing this one is because this book gets the least love of all my non-fiction books. And I actually think it is, or it has, one of my favourite chapters I've ever written in any book. So yeah, I wanted to share a little bit about that. So inside 10 Steps to Hero, I talk about lots of different um, uh, aspects of creating your hero. So like what really are heroes? Um, How to avoid the cliche of a perfect hero? Uh, Archetypes? How to get to the core of a hero's values? How to um, create better uh, character arcs? Creating conflict? How to avoid tropes and um, how to avoid tropes? How to avoid cliches and include tropes, important tropes that you need? Um, How to introduce your hero? And then also, uh, so my two favourite chapters which are Sprinkling the Unicorn Dust um, aka the Hero Lens which is a concept that I think is super important around uh, really capturing your hero's voice and also the web of connectivity which is around making sure every element of your story, um, every element around your hero uh, really is connected and creates that holistic, um, the whole is more than the sum of its parts type feel for your story. So if you would like to get your hands on a copy of uh, 10 Steps to Hero, you can buy a copy direct from me, uh, which is sashablack.co.uk. And I can sign copies or uh, physical copies, or uh, you can 
also get digital copies from me or you can get it um, anywhere else on any store because I am wide and I will leave links uh, to that in the show notes. In personal news this week, obviously um, it's been one week since uh, Eight Steps to Side Characters uh, How to Craft Supporting Roles with Intention, Purpose and Power came out and it has been a weird kind of a week. Um, The pre-orders were amazing, um, so thank you so much to everybody who pre-ordered a copy. Uh, The pre-orders were up quite significantly. I think it ended up at about 52.5% up on the previous pre-orders. So that is obviously awesome. The weird thing about this though is that the ebook orders, pre-orders, I actually missed my previous pre-order total. So the pre-orders of ebooks of the anatomy of prose by one. So prose beat side characters by one digital pre-order. So the paperback pre-orders went ballistic for um, side characters. And I don't know why. I don't know. I have no um, explanation for that. Um, But I am finding it interesting. And the other interesting thing is that um, since the launch, side characters has not done as well as prose did. So it's, it's, it's not a flop, but it is definitely not selling how I expected it to sell. And I don't know why that is. Um, obviously there was a lot of desire for it. So this is definitely a lesson to me because I expected, because I was a year further on from the anatomy of prose, um, and because I did all the same things that I did for prose for the launch, um, plus more, that it would do well. And this is just not a great reminder, but it is a reminder to me that not every book is going to sell. Not every book is going to sell as well as um, your other books. Um, some of the reasons I'm wondering is if um, it's because side characters is a more niche um, area. I don't know. Um I, the strange thing is, and this is the thing that I really can't understand, is that I am selling as many books as I would expect to sell for a launch, or maybe not quite as many, but I I have seen a huge increase in sales in general. So all my other books are now selling really well, but side characters isn't selling how a launch, like how prose did when it launched. But in launching side characters, all of the other books have started to sell. So it's this really strange situation. Um, Obviously, I'm super delighted that all of my other books are selling. That is wonderful news for me, for my tax bill. Um, and, And hopefully for you guys who will be reading them and hopefully finding them interesting and useful. But it is an odd situation. So, I mean, I've spoken to a few people recently and they have said that sales are a bit all over the place. I mean, I don't know whether it's because it's August and most of, you know, any organic Amazon stuff is is generally being funneled towards uh, beach reads or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, more cosy reads. I, I just don't know what is happening here. Um, But I am going to be writing uh, an email today to my mailing list um, all about uh, some launch lessons and I am considering maybe like putting those into a podcast as well. So you may get a little bit of repetition just explaining this bit and then um, I will go into more detail about the things that I have learnt from this launch which so it has been very interesting and definitely a lesson uh, to me in what is the lesson the lesson is in about expectations and that you really can't ever predict what is going to happen with a book launch even despite pre-order uh pre-orders so yeah um i just like it's hard to talk about this but I wanted to talk about it because I think it's important to be honest and I think it's important that um, you guys get real information about how these things go Um, you know and real truthful um, uh, uh, information about launches and and, uh, even if people don't want to admit it I don't mind I have nothing to hide I am Yeah, I'm hoping that side characters is going to be one of these slower burns and it will build up. And it certainly 
Uh, looks like it might be doing that, but I don't know. We, we will have to see. I will continue to report back to you. Now, in free resources, I um, was very delighted to write an article for Angela Ackerman on her Writers Helping Writers website, uh, which was three mistakes to avoid uh, with your side characters. So uh, if maybe you are undecided on side characters and whether or not you want to read it, then maybe check out that article and it might persuade you to read a copy. Um, and I will include the link to that in the show notes. And I also had the pleasure of um, being on the Book Echoes podcast. And uh, so that was uh, quite a short, sharp, snappy interview. Um, I kind of have my own epiphany about side characters uh, whilst I'm talking. Um, and then I had the pleasure of talking to Christina Adams at the Writer's Cookbook. Uh, and the Writer's Cookbook spends a lot of time talking about like mindset in general in terms of writing. Uh, but we had an awesome chat about side characters and um, killing off your side characters. Uh, we also talked about uh, motherhood and and juggling and how I do that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to leave the link to that in the show notes as well. Now, I mentioned that formatted books, um, very briefly at the top of the show, I mentioned that formatted books have done, um, uh, 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 redone a book for me. They've done Keepers, they've done the hardback version. So Keepers is the first book in my young adult fantasy series and they have reformatted it for me. Now what they've done is they have included uh, both maps. So I've had professionally illustrated maps um, uh, put in the front and uh, they have taken the font off the front cover and they've used that inside the book, which is pretty darn amazing. And they have also used my symbols. So I have like uh, I had the professionally illustrated symbols which represent like the powers of um, the beings in my book and they are using those for chapter headings which is also pretty awesome and they have changed the color of the first page in of each chapter and um, so yeah like I I will tell you about this again when I actually get the physical copies in my hands uh, because I am giddy with excitement uh, but it's really hard to be super excited when I've only seen it digitally I kind of want to see it physically um, so yes, I will tell you about this one more time um, when uh, uh, the books arrive. So I took off a well-deserved break this week. <laughs> it's been a very long time since I had a week off. I have tried very hard not to work. I have done a tiny bit uh, just because I have some things that have come in that needed dealing with. Um, uh, but mostly I have had the week off. I went to a castle with my son. We went to the cinema. Uh, we had a play date with Dan, my co-host uh, from Next Level Authors podcast and his child. Um, and yeah, we played Pokemon Go and we've done lots of different bits and bobs. And I'm also going to have next week off, although I feel like my brain is now starting to think about like what comes next and the I I'm in a tricky situation because I have once again overcommitted myself and um, I've got like a lot of speaking gigs coming up I have got a lot of unfinished projects and I'm actually a bit upset with myself because um, I did say I wasn't going to overcommit and um it's not just um, speaking gigs, I've got lots of other things coming up as well um, that I have committed to. And so I have actually just um, like trying to pull back on some of them. Um, otherwise, I am not going to get the things done that are important to me. And I cannot go through another year without finishing Trey um, and Sirens, which are the two books, the fiction books on my desk that are uh, drafted and they just need a final edit and final polish. So what I have done this morning is create a finish it list and I am not going to say yes to anything else um, until I finish things on this list. And there are some weird things. So like I obviously have the audiobook uh, of Villains, which is super close to being done. Um, I just need to get that finished. Um, I've got Trey, I've got Sirens, both of which are drafted. Uh, Trey's even been edited once. I've had beta feedback, so I just need to do that final edit before it goes to the prefer. Um, and then, uh, so th that's those two. And then I've got other things, like I've got um, four different speaking gigs to do. And then I have... Um, 
like some website stuff that needs doing, just some back-end really boring shit, but shit that needs doing because things go out of date really quickly and it then becomes obvious <laughs> that things are out of date and it's not very professional. Um, and then, um, yeah, like I also have the Rebel Diaries that I need to do um, this year and I have just started reading all of the stories for that. So um, I'm, my aim is to get those stories read this month. Um, yeah, so I, I have too much to do and I, I'm just a bit cross with myself really for having overcommitted once again. But uh, what my goal is for the rest of this year now is to finish shit uh, off of my list and not to add anything else onto that list so that I can start 2022 with a clean slate because there are, I've got some big goals and some big things that I want to get done next year and I am not going to be able to do that with you know, all of these projects hanging over me, um, unfinished. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think that is a symptom of having had time off and, um, just a bit more perspective, realizing where I am. All right. Enough, uh, from me. I, yeah, I, I, I just felt like, I know this probably wasn't the most positive episode ever, but I really felt like I needed to be truthful and honest uh, with you guys and just uh, let you know where I was at. I still feel super positive and I'm like excited to go through the rest of this year and finish finish it. Um, yeah, I'm actually chomping at the bit already to come back to work, unsurprisingly. Uh, but nonetheless, okay, enough waffling bollocks from me. The Rebel of the Week this week is Claire L. Fishback. Claire says, I have suffered from anxiety since I started school at the age of five, but this story takes place years later when I was around tw 10. My twin sister had, uh, and I had just started the sixth grade. For whatever reason, I was extremely anxious this year. And I think it was because there were two sixth grade classes and all of our friends were in one class and my sister and I were put in another. Um, maybe I was change averse. I tried all the tactics to stay home from school, playing hooky, getting up late and not having time to get ready, things like that. Finally, my poor mother had reached her tolerance threshold. She more or less shoved me out of the door to get the bus because if I missed the damn bus, there would be hell to pay. I trudged along the sidewalk at a snail's pace. You see, I had to walk down the street and up around a corner. The bus would never see me as long as I did not turn that corner and my mum wouldn't see whether or not I made it. I only made it uh, to in front of our neighbour's house when I heard the bus rumble and squeak to a stop and then rumble away. I had missed the bus on purpose. Where was I to go? I climbed the fence into our backyard and sneaked into the shed where I crouched and pretended I was an orphan on a stowaway train. Our family dog, a hound mix named Libby, nosed her way into the shed. Fantastic! I'm an orphan stowaway on a train and I have a faithful dog with me. Oh, let the imaginary shenanigans begin. I started writing when I was six, by the way, so this was like primo story fodder. My faithful companion's presence was soon followed by the incredibly red, incredibly angry mother, uh, face of my mother. I think my brain must have gone into self-preservation mode at this point, because the next thing I remember is mum <laughs> dragging me into the school, uh, to my classroom and leaving me there. Uh, but I had missed the bus on purpose and hid in the shed with my dog for around 10 minutes before being found out. The moral of the story, aside from don't piss off your mother, uh, I'm not sure there is one. <laughs> I love this story. Oh, what a fantastic rebellion. And I have to say, like, that is super cheeky for a 10-year-old as well. I'm kind of impressed. Um, I love the story. And also that is totally like uh, the start of a Narnia type story. You go into the shed and, you know, worlds un unravel before you. What a fantastic rebellion. We are actually starting to get low on stories again. And as you know, this is my favourite part of the show. So if you do have a rebel story, please do send it to me. It can be any kind of story, big, small, or somewhere in between. And you can send it to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, Instagram me at Sasha Black Author. No new patrons this week, but of course, a big, huge gigantic sloppy kissed uh, thank you to all of my existing patrons. You guys are awesome, even when you're encouraging me to do things like Ramcon. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, uh, mm. anyway, 
If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content like blooper reels and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff, sneak peeks at things, um, then you can from as little as $2 a month. Oh, and you also get your Poison and Prose sessions with me as well. And you can do that uh, by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. This episode is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid. I absolutely love Pro Writing Aid. It is an editing software that I personally use and love, and I think it is fantastic. I use it as like my last line of defense and as a grammar slash checker style editor and kind of a writing mentor before I shop my manuscripts off to editors. ProWritingAid is about more than just finding mistakes though. It helps you to learn good writing techniques. It has 20 different writing reports that make suggestions and then offer detailed explanations for those suggestions. They also have uh, videos and even quizzes to help you understand the reasoning behind the suggestions. Writing can be grammatically perfect, but still feel awkward and clumsy. ProWritingAid searches out elements like repetitiveness, vague wording, sentence length variation, overdependence on adverbs, Verbs, passive voice, overcomplicated sentence construction, and so much more. Of course, ProWritingAid will never replace a human editor. Rather, it helps you to self-edit to a deeper level so that when you do send it off to your editor, they are able to focus on the meat of your writing and not spend their time fixing basic writing issues. And don't forget that you do get 25% off with uh, my code, which is in the show notes. Okay, enough from me and the intro. Let's Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Corey and Wallace, founders of Formatted Books. They have helped hundreds of self-published authors create great-looking custom-designed books so authors can reach a larger audience and maximize sales. Formatted Books helps you compete with the big publishing houses by providing professional quality interior formatting for your manuscript at a reasonable price. From children's books and fiction to business books and even medical textbooks, their expert team of professional book designers have you covered. They are so confident you'll love their work that they back it with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for that intro. Hi, Sasha. <laughs> Thanks for having us. You are most welcome. It's a special episode because I don't often have two people. So, uh, yeah, I always get a bit giddy with excitement uh, when, when there's a couple of people on the show liven it up a bit. So hopefully we're going to get a bit rowdy while in our discussion. Um, but before we get rowdy, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about both of you um, and I guess like your journey and like how you got to where you are today? Uh, yeah, sure. So my name is Wallace and I am one of the co-founders of Formatted Books along with my wife, Corey. Um, we have been at this for about two and a half years now, and it's been, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind journey to get here. Um, we are both still, you know, employed full-time, you know, in the corporate world. I am a, a business banker by trade, and Corey works as a lab tech in a hospital, and we were just looking for a way to escape the the nine to five grind. Um, and we stumbled into this opportunity. So we're both avid readers, like just serial readers. Um, you know, ebook is basically constantly attached to, you know, one of our hands. That's all right. I'm so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I pull the face for podcast listeners rather than, you know, anybody watching. I uh, just pull the face because for anybody who has seen me on camera anytime recently, they'll see my gigantic bookcase, which you guys can only see like part of it. It goes all the way up to the ceiling. I'm a complete paperback whore. So like I very rarely read eBooks unless I have to, like sometimes I'll read ARCs or whatever. But yeah, so like, I, I know you guys also format paperbacks, but yeah, I'm like, I feel the same, except I'm always like stuffing a paperback in like my, you know, by my hip or whatever, like wherever we go. So uh, yeah. So Corey, uh, like, what about you as well? Um, yeah, I, it was my idea to come up with the business. Um, mm -hmm. I was really struggling with my job and I did a bunch of research. It took me about two years to kind of decide to take the leap of faith to 
start the business. And yeah, we just stumbled across somebody who was willing to give us a hand and here we are. So we're actually have been in business for two and a half years. And the reason that we actually prefer eBooks is because we've been known to move a lot. <laughs> Together, we have moved probably six or seven times. Me, myself, I think I counted the number of times I moved at one point. I think it was up into the 20s. So having paperbacks just wasn't uh, a realistic option for us anymore. And when we travel, eBooks are awesome because we can just bring one book and we have multiple books to read from. However... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so I completely understand that this is my 23rd house. So up until um, probably like one house or two houses ago, I, I was digital only. And then I knew we were getting closer and closer to buying. And I sort of reverted back to old habits. Uh, and also because I'm at a screen all day long, I just like to hold a physical book. But so do you guys, do you guys write as well? Or if you don't write, like what, what, what are your genres that you read? We, I've never written a book. I've considered it, but I also know how long and drawn out the process is. And due to the fact that we're both still working, it's not something that we're prepared to tackle anytime in the foreseeable future. However, if plans do happen and we are able to alleviate ourselves of the job, it may become something in the future that we as aspire to. Hmm. Um, our genre, my genre is probably medical. I love medical textbooks, hence as to why I work in a hospital in a medical lab tech. But um, if I'm just looking to wind down and relax, uh, I'll pull up a nonfiction or a fiction novel for sure. I think at the moment I'm reading Hunger Games for oh. <laughs> Yeah. And I have written, uh, you know, I did a lot of poetry when I was younger, a lot of short stories, and I did have a couple of short stories published many, many years ago. Uh, haven't ever had the patience, I would say, to sit down and actually do anything longer than that. Um, and for myself, yeah, um, you know, like we already talked about just, you know, the ebook versus print books. And it's, you know, when we're on vacation, I can never decide, okay, which books would I want to bring? Like, it, it's just, you can't, yeah, that's not a choice that you can, oh. Sorry, our cat. Um, so, you know, we already talked about, you know, print versus ebook. Um, and, you know, my issue is, you know, you go on vacation and how do you decide which books to bring with you? So ebook, I can bring everything, uh, but mostly my genres that I personally enjoy reading, uh, fantasy, science fiction, um, you know, Tolkien, you know, I'm probably going to start up on Michael Crichton again, go back and, you know, my favorites, Jurassic Park. Absolutely mm. love that. And just, you know, that type of thing is my wheelhouse. I love it. I am um, Jurassic Park is well, the whole, all of the Jurassic Parks are some of my favorite, like, guilty pleasure films just because I, I just love like the whole concept but um I um I did I was sort of internally giggling because the the amount of books I take on vacation is like a real real sticking point for me and my wife because I usually end up packing like my hand luggage is is just only books and um <laughs> I like stuff them into like other <laughs> sections that she can't see and then <laughs> when we get there and I bring out like 10 books and she's like I hope that's all of the books that you brought and I'm like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, as I'm like pulling out another one <laughs> like I used to take about 15 books on holiday which is just the weight is obscene and I really ought to, to use a kindle but like I like books that I can hold um all right so we are here to talk about formatting so why should indie authors even worry about professional formatting um, it's, it's mainly uh, so that the readability um, can come through and also so that you can bring the genre out in the book because a lot of people don't realize how important the genre dictates the way the book should be formatted. Um, and also to add a little bit of creativity. So what, what one thing that we do is we like to be competitive with the professional publishers and we'll get the PSD file for you 
um, from you and uh, for the cover. And then we'll lift fonts and elements and put that directly into the book so that we can add that wow factor into the book. Um, so, and also it helps on your marketing. So if your book is not readable or the formatting is like okay, but not amazing, it does affect the, the sellability of your book. Yeah, yeah, I think what we're trying to say there, it, I mean, you know, the old saying, you never want to judge a book by its cover, but people do. People pick up a book from the shelf and they'll do a quick flip through it. And you want that first impression to be wow. You mm. want to have that book present well. Uh, and that's really where our team shines is, um, you know, you, you want it to be readable. You want it just by flipping through it, you want to, you know, know, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I can tell what genre this is, you know, whether it's science fiction, fantasy, or, you know, young adult, you know, just, you can tell just the way it's been presented. Um, can you really give though, me, can I, sorry, I just, I'm curious about this, because that's not something um, that I think I've ever thought about. So can you give me a couple of examples of how formatting would differ by genre? Just the way the fonts are presented, um, some of the, just, I guess the way that, you know, the, the structure within the book versus a, you know, uh, a, a textbook, for example, is going to look very different. Uh, whereas if you're going for something more modern, we can do that just by the way we structure the interior design, the way we, do, you know, choose the fonts to present, the way we set up the chapter headers, you know, and things of that nature, um, you know, versus someone who's just got a, a generic fiction novel that you pick up off the rack and it's, you know, you can pick up any, you know, dozen books and they're all gonna look pretty similar and it's gonna be very hard to tell them apart. Uh, so that's what really sets, sets that apart for us is, you know, a lot of the design work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can you tell me about, I suppose, the differences we've talked at length about preferences between ebook and, and print books. So can you tell me about some of the differences between like the formatting of print versus ebooks? Um, like, is there something that authors should be looking for in when they receive their files? So the main difference with the print versus the ebooks. So the print, we can make that have like that visual wow factor. We can make the images land in a certain place in on the page. We can uh, use different fonts and stuff. With an ebook, there's a lot of images and stuff that we can't necessarily bring over to the ebook, unfortunately. Uh, just with the way that uh, reflowable text works is that if you change the size of the text, um, that'll throw off all of your images. Or um, if you change the spacing of the text, uh, that will also con considerably change the look of your book on the inside. Mm. Uh, but what the average person doesn't know is that when you're formatting an ebook, e it's almost like a rudimentary web page. So there's a lot of coding that goes into that. Hmm. Okay. I know that um, one of the things that I have struggled with with my nonfiction um, is that I occasionally have a diagram in there and um, that will bump up uh, like the delivery charge, which I think is such a fucking piss take that Amazon slap on a, a delivery charge as well. Other stores don't uh, necessarily do that, but Amazon, as well as taking 30%, will then slap on a, a delivery charge. So if you have a, like six, say half a dozen diagrams in your book, you know, they're going to be taking another percentage off of you uh, for, for all of all of those. So yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't, I, do you know, I don't think I ever even realized that there was like coding and stuff uh, in there. Is <laughs> what I know. I've only been doing this for God knows how long. <laughs> and most authors don't. Um, you know, they assume that it's just a matter of converting, you know, the print file into an EPUB and away you go. And yes, you can do that, but it's not going to display properly. Um, you know, if you have diagrams with captions, it's going to break all that up and just throw it all wonky all over the page. 
Uh, and that's where our e we have a dedicated ebook team that after the print formatting has been finalized, then their job is to go in and do a proper conversion, uh, go in and do all the coding to make sure that all the you know images are linked properly, any hyperlinks are set up properly, uh, you know, make sure all the um, any footnotes get converted properly as endnotes and also properly linked through in the, in the text so that it all flows and works seamlessly. Mm. Yeah, I love this. I am. Um... This is this is a, my very first book, which I, I've been record, narrating the audio book. And um, I still remember that one of the, <laughs> didn't we admit in this to you? One of the comments that I got was great book, hated the formatting. <laughs> and that's because, <laughs> that's, that's because like this is, oh God, I'm so mortified to be admitting this. The very first version of this book I formatted in Word and then I think I like converted it using Calibre. But um, I, I just didn't have an, um, any eye for detail. So I hadn't bothered really to go and like, obviously I read like a hundred books a year or whatever, but I hadn't paid any attention to how it looked or like that inner stuff so I like underlined titles and everything and like I very rapidly realized I'd made a mistake but of course there are you know half a dozen or you know a few dozen of these books hanging around where there's bloody terrible formatting I think I even sent one to one of my friends in Canada actually and I was like I apologize that this is formatted so terribly um but yes I learned my lesson very quickly uh, that people don't like shitty formatting so uh yeah it's important <laughs> it's really funny that you say that because one of the customers I was talking to not too long ago um she admitted she's like I've been writing for so long and I've helped so many customers and stuff. I never thought about the formatting. You guys have convinced me that the formatting is actually very important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so like, I longer do the formatting for myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I completely agree. I have to say I don't format like that anymore. <laughs> But I definitely made that mistake the first time and like hands up, I confess I did shitty formatting. Oh, it's very embarrassing. Okay, right. What what do indies have to do to prepare their like story? Let's say, so obviously, like hopefully everybody knows that you don't send your book for formatting until you've had it fully, fully edited, copy edited, proofed. Like you don't want any more changes um when like before it comes to you I'm assuming so what do they do well you basically said it they need to edit and edit and then edit some more and when they think they've got it fully edited they should edit it one more time and make sure uh that is going to be the biggest challenge that we have uh with our clients is that you know they they think they've got it completely edited and it's ready to go and finalized and they send it to us we do our thing, we format it, and it's awesome, and it looks beautiful, and they come back saying, oh, that looks great, but I missed this, 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 and this, I need to add all this, I need to add chapters in, and you know what, bottom line is, we're happy to do it, but it will add a whole lot of time, so now, you know, if they're pushing, uh, you know, pushing a launch, uh, a launch date, now we're going to be really getting to the wire, and it's going to cost them more because now we're going to need to go back and adjust, you know, if we're putting in full sections of text that they missed the first time around, it's going to, you know, rearrange everything and we're going to have to go back in and make sure to that it all, you know, looks good and everything's spaced out properly, no rivers or, you know, that sort no, of thing and runs and orphans and, you know, all that kind of stuff that's, you know, going to have to be rechecked. Um, so one of the things that, we suggest is if an author is planning to do an audiobook as well, have the audiobook done first because a lot of that will come out in the reading and narrating of the book. If there's any issues with the flow that they need to change, it all comes out when you're actually reading it out loud. So then that way the audiobook get you know highlights where the issues are, get we can get that fixed before we go to the print formatting because otherwise we do the print formatting. And then they do the audiobook, realize there's an issue there, they send it back to us. And now you're having to get things changed in multiple places mm. for print, audiobook, and ebook, and all of that. 
I think as um, like AI becomes more affordable in terms of like AI narration, that is going to be a possibility. But for most authors who are sort of first time authors or even like second, third time authors, having the audio book done before you've proven that the book is going to earn out is not really an option just because of like the cost, you know, it's upwards of 200, 250 pound, um, per finished hour for audiobooks and you know so you run to if you've got like a hundred thousand word book it's over 10 hours it's we're talking thousands of dollars so I know I just know from my own experience that audiobooks don't really become a thing until you are more solvent I suppose but I do completely agree um you have to have made sure that you you know have done all of the editing and the proofing so I suppose I, I'm going to throw a question at you because this is like I'm thinking about this uh, in terms of me now and like if I were to use you guys and we've talked about this and they'll it, because time is a funny thing there'll be an intro section where I talk about what happened but let's say for example um, you want to give out advanced reader copies how does that work because in, inevitably for most indie authors so my process for example I have the book proofed and then I format it and I send out advanced copies, invariably 10, 15 errors come back, even though I've proofed it 8,000 times, I've paid for a professional editor to proof it, and there are still um, issues. But in order to get my book to my advanced team, I have to have it formatted because that's how they read it. But then also, of course, they're going to come back with some, you know, a handful of errors. So like, do you guys do advanced reader copy formatting and then like how does that do you do you only do the finished product I'm just thinking like how would that work for um like indies who who do advanced copies as well yeah I mean the way our workflow goes is uh so obviously we need the fully edited manuscript we also like to have uh the front cover design completed at least finalized uh you don't have to have the full front back spine done yet of course but as long as we know what the front's gonna look like. Um, we'll do the print formatting first, do the first round and get everything to, you know, to look to a point where it looks good. And we'll send that out to you for review. You can, at that point, <clears throat> excuse me, at that point you would, uh, you know, review it, send it out to, you know, send out advanced copies to whoever needs to see it. And obviously if there's gonna be any changes at that point, that's when those come back, we'll get those changes implemented and get a new proof out to you for the print copy. And it's not until that gets finalized that we then move on and do the ebook conversion. So there is definitely time there to get all that stuff, all those you know changes hammered out before we get too deep into the project. Mm. Is that PDF only though? That would typically be PDF, yes. Mm. Okay. Um, okay, so... We've talked about the fact that indies need to uh, make sure that their books are edited. What what does an indie need to know about interior book design? What should they be looking for in a good formatting company? So I guess that's really two questions there, right? So what do they need to know about the actual book design? Are you talking if they're going to do that themselves or? I suppose like there are there are lots of companies out there and some of them don't necessarily provide a great service. So like yeah. as a exactly. reputable company, what okay. can you, like what should authors be looking for in a good service? Uh, first thing I would say, you know, for me coming from a sales and customer service background is how quickly do they respond to inquiries? How easy are they to communicate with? And are they getting back to you in a timely fashion? Uh, is huge for me personally. Um, you know, other things that I would be looking for is, you know, look for reviews on their service from other, you know, indie authors. Uh, have they done a lot of work for others? And, you know, will those other authors, you know, promote them and give them glowing reviews? Uh, generally, you want that answer to be yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, for example, do they have show samples of their work? on their website or on their social media. Um, 
And that's basically, you know, that, that'd be primarily what I'd be looking for. Um, another thing to kind of look for is do they offer like kind of like a clear set timeline as to when you can kind of expect your book? I mean, we post on our, on our website um, the three, uh, the 10 to 15 days that is for the PDF and the ebooks included. That's meant to include any like revisions or anything that's required. Of course, things happen. Like you said, if you have to send out the proof and send it out and get it read again and just kind of get more revisions, then that's going to take a little longer. Um, but also it would depend on the genre of the books. So a cookbook is not the same as a fiction book. So a cookbook is definitely going to take a lot longer. So having that, that short of a turnaround time will not be um, the most realistic. But for a simple fiction book, that um, that turnaround time is definitely something that should be uh, upheld. Uh, diversity of genre. Um, I think it's important that the formatting company should indicate that they can tackle it, most genres, uh, either by their website or if you contact them, they can show tell you, yes, we can handle that. Or if, if they've never done it, being honest, just say, hey, we've never done this. We're welcome. We would love to try to tackle this. Um, we'll do it. We'll do it if you want. Yeah. The last <laughs> thing you want is, you know, you, you, you send your book to a company and they say, oh, yeah, totally. We can do that. And it turns out they've never done one of those before and don't have a clue what, you know, a cookbook supposed to look like or a travel guide or, you know, that would be a, not a good scenario. And then ongoing support for when after the book is complete. So when um, uh, we've we've had multiple customers come to us where they have gone through a different company or maybe a cheaper service and their book wouldn't upload, and then they come to us going, "I can't get a I can't get a hold of my previous formatter." So we're there to support you. Um, after so if something doesn't upload properly or something you come back to us we'll make sure that it gets taken care of um you notice something that just was not what it what it was meant to look like you come back to us we'll make sure we'll take care of you awesome yeah i think that's some really good advice about you know like what to look for i know i certainly um got shafted <laughs> Uh, my first time uh, with a with a cover designer, incredibly, incredibly talented cover designer, um, but I think wasn't necessarily used to working with indies. And I just ended up, it took me a year to get my cover. Um, that is a long story. I know I work with uh, design for writers now and they are amazing. Um, I love them. Anyway, right. Are there any mistakes that you see indies making when like formatting themselves or like perhaps they've had bad service, like any mistakes that you see with formatting in general? What do you wish indies wouldn't do? Um, I think the first one that I would say, you know, in general, if you're going to self format your book uh, and you've already said it, Sasha, don't use Microsoft Word. It's not meant for <laughs> formatting it's not going to do a good job so use a dedicated you know software meant for it you know vellum scribus uh, adobe indesign you know is the professional standard if you, you know you have access to that and can work with that that would be ideal um a lot of mistakes that we see with regards to images included in a book uh make sure that it's high resolution at least 300 dpi resolution is ideal for print um, you know, I can't tell you the number of times we've had to uh, turn, we've turned away clients because they had a very image heavy book and the image quality, you know, the image resolution was, I think at best was 72 DPI in that case, uh, nowhere near what would be needed to print well. Mm -hmm. And we just, we couldn't in good conscience, you know, format a book for, you know, with 200 images in it and have it look, you know, like absolute ass. Um, it just wasn't going to be a good situation for anybody. So unfortunately, yeah, that comes up a lot. So just mm -hmm. make sure you know, images are good quality. Um, and I would say watch for margins. Oh yeah, that's um, right. 
a lot of like obviously the gutter needs to be uh, adjusted appropriately so one of the things that we just explain what gutter is for listeners who might not know right so that is the inside margins on the in the on the spine of the book so for both facing pages of course that middle margin where the spine meets is going to need a little more space so if you're not careful and you don't adjust for that when it is printed and bound, that text is going to curve into the spine there and you won't be able to read any of that. Mm -hmm. So definitely make sure to adjust the spacing for that. That's one we, we do see a lot of with, um, with self you know, formatted books. Uh, so one recommendation I'd make is when you are reviewing that file, uh, reviewing the, the book in your PDF file, uh, so in Adobe, you can adjust it, make sure you're, you turn on your two page view and also make sure to turn on show cover page in two page view, because then that's now going to display the book the way it would be if it was printed and you'll be able to see how that margin is going to be affected. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I was like, what the fuck? When I very first got my very first like PDF with the with the paperback and I was like, what have I done wrong? Because I'd used like some kind of template where I could drop the stuff in. And then like I was I was looking at the, the PDF and yeah, that was like my very first experience that one page is further indented oh, than the other or whatever the yeah. correct wording is. And I was like, what have I done? Why does it look weird? Yeah. And then of course it's because of the gluing and how the, the pages go in. And yeah, so like there are so many things that we have to learn. Uh, like just to, you know, even that's like another indicator, like have your formatters taken that into account? You know, like that's what you should be expecting when you get your proof copies is that they look pretty and, you know, the, the, the pages are all even, like the text is all even even on the insides and things. So yeah, okay, right. My big question. One of the reasons I've always formatted myself is because I'm a control freak. Um, if I want to, uh, like, like, so the chances are, and obviously this is less the case for, for traditional authors, but as an indie, um, one of the things that uh, I appreciate the most is my ability to pivot and my ability to be flexible, to make changes, to drop random promos at the, you know, uh, uh, whatever that phrase, a drop of a hat. Um, so if I want to do that right now, I just make a teeny tiny change. I generate the files and then I re-upload it. So I suppose my question is, uh, if someone's going to pay for formatting, what then are the additional costs for changes later down the line? Like, how does that work? Are there are there ways around that? You know, like, do we receive source files or, you know, how, because I've never worked with a formatting service. So like, can you talk me through um, how that process works, you know, and all the costs and, and, and how long that takes to turn around and all of those things? Yeah, absolutely, Sasha. That's a great question. Um, so with the formatting, of course, you know, we aim to get it done right the first time, you know, and have it all finalized and beautiful. But like you said, things happen. You want to add things later on. You need to change the lead magnet out or, you know, some sort of promo. Uh, so for that, we do offer a very reasonable revision process uh, at a very reasonable cost. So for example, it's $2 per change for each item being changed. Uh, and we charge just a minimum $10 uh, $10 fee each time. And so, you know, you send us the changes that are required and we get our team to update both the print and the ebook files. And we get new files out to you typically within a day or two at most. Um, so that's basically the, you know, the process for that fairly simple, fairly painless. We don't provide source files when we send out the finished product, uh, because that, while you of course own the rights to the book, the work that we've done, the design work that goes into, you know, that the creation of that interior layout, we do consider it to be intellectual property. Um, so the way we would uh, describe it, I guess, as an analogy is, let's say you were, you know, ha you're getting married, hire a wedding photographer, that wedding photographer is going to, you know, shoot the wedding for the day, spend hours and hours creating the images. And at the end of that all, you're going to get a nice bound, you know, book of images, and maybe you get the JPEG images. But 
you don't get the raw source files for that. Mm -hmm. And so our service would be along those same lines. Okay. Um, and so would you like to tell everyone about your, your formatting service? I mean, I know I grilled you all about all of the different aspects of formatting. So yeah, like, do you want to pitch my listeners? Like, what, what do you do? What, tell me about your formatting service. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're a formatting service. And basically our job is to make your life easier. Um, that is our ultimate goal. What we want to do is allow you to alleviate yourself from the painstaking task of doing the formatting and allow us to provide you with a competitive um, uh, interior formatting that can compete with publishing, uh, like the big publishing houses and stuff. Um, we want we want to provide you with that wow factor. Like we love when our customers come back to us saying, wow, I just didn't, I never thought that this could look like this. Um, that's what we take great pride in. <clears throat> and uh, just to decrease the frustration and save you time. So uh, that is kind of us in a nutshell. We have a team of 14 people working behind the scenes. We have um, CSRs that will help you out. And then we've got five, five um, at the moment, five paperback um, formatting. So they specialize in the paper paperback design. And then we have three ebook designers at this moment. And we're always expanding as demand um, provides. Okay, so you've just given me another question. <laughs> I'm randomly going to throw at you. This is this is what happens when you tell me lots of interesting things. I want to ask more questions. Um, so um, I have a couple of hardbacks. So do you also do hardback formatting? And let's say you have um, the same interior file but your hardback is at say a five by, uh, sorry, your paperback is at like a five by eight trim. And then your hardback is at like five and a half by eight and a half trim. What would happen under that circumstance? Would that be two different formatting costs or would it, would you just expand the size up? How does that work? Yeah. So it wouldn't be a whole other formatting cost. Like you wouldn't have to purchase two formatting packages in that case. There would be a small, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there would be a small additional charge to do the hardback version, uh, but we basically then create two, you know, a, paper, a paperback and a hardback version of the print file. You get separate PDFs for that and get that all finalized before we did the ebook. So definitely possible. And it, you know, you wouldn't need to pay double for that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So who's going to be giving me a cheeky rebellion? Tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Uh, for me, it's actually starting this company. Nobody thought that it was a good idea. Myself included. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nobody had any idea what it was like to start an online business. Uh, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Yes, I did do a bunch of research and yes, I did find somebody to help us out, but it was still a big chance. Um, so I'm happy to say it's worked out for us and we're quite happy with it. We're, we love helping authors get, get competitive and hopefully getting to the number one spot on Amazon so that they can keep marketing and like succeed um that is I'd say that's a big win for us okay Wallace do you have a cheeky rebellion <laughs> um yeah I guess uh my my rebel story would be that you know after having been together for a about a just about a year Corey and I uh, she ended up getting accepted into school and was moving cities uh, from Vancouver to Calgary. And everyone, my friends, my family, all just assumed that, oh, I guess you guys are all gonna, you know, both going to go your separate ways and that's that. And I basically dropped everything and went with her. Aww. And you know, just, uh, just on a whim. And here we are 15 years later. And, yeah. you know, like she said, you know, we're, 
we've started this company that also was a thing on its own and yeah. you know here we are and everything's going great and we're just you know plugging away a rebellious love story for any anybody who's a long-term listener even though i'm you know meant to be dead on the inside i do love love so i love that you gave me a rebellious <laughs> love story as well it's like made my evening all right tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your services and like anything else you would like to add yeah uh, our website is formattedbooks.com that's f-o-r-m-a-t-t-e-d B-O-O-K-S.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, we're on Twitter, as well as on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. And of course, a big thank you to all of the show's listeners and a ginormous thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content, then you can by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Corey and Wallace, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Matty Dalrymple, and we're going to be talking all about short fiction and how to use it and get the most out of it. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. (music) 